A singular flower stood out among all the other wildflowers. Its purple, crisp petals pulled back, revealing a golden center that was irresistible to the beautiful goddess of spring, Persephone. How had she never seen it before? Curious, she knelt low to the ground and was immediately mesmerized by the narcissus flower. It called to her, as most traps will often do. In that moment, the beautiful earth she called her home rolled back, and a massive black chariot rose from the ground. A dark god, handsome yet terrifying, reached from the chariot and snatched the goddess from her sunlit and flowery light, pulling her into the deep and unknown recesses of the underworld. You see, Hades was lonely. No one dared traverse the underworld, and his duties kept him there, below the earth, always in the dark, yet dreaming of light and love. He went to his brother Zeus, the king of the gods, and asked for a bride. Zeus agreed to gift his brother with his daughter Persephone, and the trap was laid. What these great gods had not anticipated was the love of a mother for her child. Persephone called out from the underworld for her mother, and the goddess Demeter scoured the earth, searching frantically for her lost daughter. For nine long days, Demeter wandered the earth, searching. Her heart was so heavy she refused ambrosia and nectar. On the tenth day, an unexpected witness to the abduction of Persephone came forward. This was the goddess Hecate. She had heard the cries of Persephone from her cave and watched as she saw the dark god claim his bride. She loved Demeter and hated to see her suffer, and had to come forward with what she knew. There was another witness, too, the sun god, Helios. When they approached Helios, he confirmed what Hecate saw. Demeter became undone. Her sorrow raged across the earth. Crops died, the land became infertile, and the cries of humanity could be heard all the way on Mount Olympus. Zeus summoned Demeter, and she refused his summons. Other gods tried to placate her with gifts, but her sorrow ran too deep. She would not return to Olympus until her daughter was returned to her. Zeus sent the messenger god Hermes to the underworld to negotiate the return of Persephone. It is important to know a little about Hecate's background to understand her importance to the tale and why she's depicted the way she is. The goddess Hecate was originally a titan who had sided with the Greek gods in their battle against the titans for Mount Olympus. With twin flaming torches in hand, Hecate defeated the giant titan Clytius, leaving the Greek gods in awe over her power. As a titan, she had held dominion over the earth, sea, and sky, and in exchange for fighting with the gods, Zeus let Hecate retain her dominion, making her one of the few who could come and go from the underworld as she pleased. Hecate loved Demeter and felt deeply for her plight as she watched her suffer day after day. With torches in hand, she led Demeter to the underworld to reclaim her lost child, only to discover that they were too late. Unbeknownst to Demeter, Persephone had lived a long and hungry year in the underworld, refusing food until she was allowed to return to her mother. Eventually, Hades managed to convince the goddess to eat just a little bit. Just a nibble. But the moment those three little pomegranate seeds crossed her lips, 
Persephone had unknowingly bound herself to the underworld. Zeus decreed that because of the three seeds Persephone had consumed, she had to remain a third of the year with her husband in the underworld, but could return with her mother for the other part of the year. As mother and daughter joyfully reunited, Hecate joined their revelry and promised to accompany Persephone on her annual journeys, lighting the way with twin torches, guiding her through the twists, turns, and crossroads of the underworld. She stayed with her as her companion for the barren winter months when Persephone went back to Hades, and as a result, was considered a goddess of the underworld. We still see her depicted today as a dark goddess, the keeper of the keys, flaming torches in hand. But how did this outsider goddess become known as the goddess of witches? Much of her mythos remains shrouded in mystery, but much can be learned once you begin to look deeper. Yule is right around the corner, and I love Yule. For those of you who don't know, I'm also a huge nerd, and I love Dungeons and Dragons, which is why we have to tell you about our newest friends, Mystic Dragon Games. They have a gorgeous selection of laser-etched crystal ornaments, necklaces, keychains, you name it, to make even the nerdiest of Scrooge's smile. Each crystal is the highest grade quality money can buy, and comes already ready to gift wrap in a cute little satin nerve foam-lined box. On their website, they have all sorts of cool customizations and designs that you can pick and choose yourself, and I seriously want all of them. I was on their website yesterday and found some super cool dice sets too. Mystic Dragon Games is also a Colorado local small business, and that's the type of business we here at The Witching Hour live to support. Make the merriest of Christmases and roll for initiative with promo code WITCHINGHOUR, no spaces, and receive 20% off on any crystal items you purchase for a limited time only. You can also see all their cool designs at mysticdragongames.com or at facebook.com backslash mystic.dragon.games. The worship of many gods or goddesses, polytheism, is common amongst pagans, and basically having a patron god or goddess is just having an extra special relationship with one god or goddess over the others. It is in no way necessary, nor does it even necessarily give a witch more power or energy. It is simply a personal choice, a witch deciding to spend more of their time and energy with one god or goddess. Also, there is no rule that says you have to worship any god or goddess, let alone many. Hecate, as Anima Mundi, the soul of all the world, is the origin of all the forces and spirits. Hecate is not viewed as an embodied favor-granting goddess, but rather as the primal source. These forces are the master forces in which all others, including the spirit of every botanical, are nested. The practice of witchcraft straddles these worlds of form and force, breaking down the illusion of separation. Witchcraft is the use of these forces and spirits in an intentional manner. We use thoughts, actions, and emotions to interact with them in our corporeal and spiritual selves. That passage was taken from Cynthia Brandon's Entering Hecate's Garden, which is an excellent beginner's guide to using green magic in a Hecatean practice. On that note, welcome back. Here we are again, Housecraft, The Witching Hour, Season 2. I am Lou. And I'm M. And we are so happy to have you back with us. Yes. Thanks for everyone who turned in last time. So excited. Season two is coming along swimmingly. 
We are all yes. getting to talk about things that we love. Last week was Lou's love of the occult. And this week we actually got to deep dive into my patron goddess, Hecate. Yeah. November is a huge festival month for Hecate. So it seemed like a good month to deep dive in. And it was interesting doing the research because we kind of discovered that there are essentially two sources of research on Hecate. And they either stem from the mythological, historical Greek goddess Hecate, or they're more modern interpretations and practices by her followers. Yeah, more of a neo-paganistic or neo-Wiccan approach. I guess not really neo-Wiccan because Wiccanism was invented in the 70s or whatever. But Yeah, Wicc- Wicc is pretty new. Yeah, neo-pagan or Wiccan approach to the worship of the goddess Hecate. And I think that may be common of a lot of gods and goddesses. In college, I took a, myth- a mythologies class and it was kind of, it was almost funny. The, the teachers would talk about these gods and goddesses and all the ancient people who used to worship them. And I'd be like, what about the people who still worship them now? And in a more kind yeah. of theological society like we live in, I think the teachers are like, this bitch is never graduating. She actually believes. Get her out. Get her out before she converts the Christians. Let's go. Burn the witch. What do we burn? Heart from witches? More, More witches. witches. Is that copyrighted? I think so, probably. But it has to be like 10 words or less, right? It was a parody. We did a parody of it. Yeah, I have, I'm a terrible actress, so that was obviously a parody. Same, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we're allowed to quote it. As long as we source it, that was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I have zero regrets about using it. Cha-cha. No, it was delightful. Yeah, it's kind of what goes off every time I open my laptop now. It's one of those notification noises I use. It seems appropriate for Hecate, considering a goddess of many faces. I found so many different re- references to Hecate. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have the Roman version. We have the Greek version. I even found an Egyptian version, uh, Hecate. Mm-hmm. So I guess that leads me to my first question, which is how the F do you pronounce her name? Because I know there's multiple ways. There are so many different ways. And it's it's almost like, the, you know, they're in all in different languages. So I, you know, I pronounce Hecate. I know a lot of people, uh, Hecate, Hec- I've heard that a Hecate. lot. Hecate. Hecate, I think, is based off the Greek version that uses a K instead of a C. Mm-hmm. It's the way that you break it up. And Hecate is based off of the one that uses the sea or the Egyptian goddess of death. And I know I've seen it also spelled H-E-K-E-T, which is Hecat. Mm-hmm. And, and the uh, Egyptian version is H-E-Q-E-T. Yep. And then every modern interpretation I've ever seen, like on TV, they say Hecate. I think that there's some interesting points to that, which I plan on getting into in a little bit. I personally say Hecate because that's how they said it on Buffy, which is the first time I heard it. And that's how I thought it was pronounced because I read it and I was like, oh, obviously Hecate. What up? It's funny because in Practical Magic at the end, when they are (laughs) they say Hectate instead of Hecate. Someone was I was actually listening to another podcast on Hecate earlier, just kind of cross-checking all of our sources. And they brought that up. And they were talking about how they might have done that because they didn't want to actually summon and piss anything off, which they also did in a couple of other ghost movies and witchcraft movies. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Not only practical magic in the craft, they did that. Mm -hmm. When we were Mm -hmm. 
researching practical magic when we did it for our witches watching witches last year. I I read that that Sandra Bullock herself as a practicing Jew did not want to invoke any sort of dark spirit or potentially invoke any sort of dark spirit. So she requested that they mispronounce the name. But there's I mean as long as the idea is right, that's kind of where the roots of my goddess worship goes anyway. I don't even believe in gods or goddesses. And that's, you know, I know a lot of um agnostic or atheist witches. Because yep. witchcraft, and that's one of my favorite things, I guess, about witchcraft, is that it's so broad. It's not like, you have to. That's why we mind our cauldrons. You don't have to do any one thing or worship any one way in order to call yourself a witch, be a witch, identify as a witch. Yeah. In your introduction, you brought up the fact that polytheism is super common in paganism. There's also ag- agnostic, atheistic sort of versions of Wiccan and paganism that I found too, and I've been exploring those a lot lately. I like to joke about hailing Satan, but I don't actually believe in Satan at all or anything like that. But I do love to use gods and goddesses in rituals and in practice because I believe they anthropomorphize and give strength to ideas. I was say you brought up in the passage that you read that Hecate is not necessarily a a literal being in a lot of practices. She is instead the way that we identify this collection of energies. Yeah, she is essentially the life force. She is the crossroads. She is the intersection between the earth, land, and sea. Yeah, so she's the so, mother of witches in, in the sense. The mother of witches. So let's get into where that kind of begins. We can always hit back to our own worships and our own particular deities. I think that's going to be a fun conversation. But let's go back to where... The origins of Hecate, or Hecate, or what are you going to say this episode? I got to know. Hecate. I've been bouncing back and forth. I've been experimenting with Hecate and Hecate because I'm like, "Mm, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. So I might bounce back and forth. We'll see. I'm vibing. I'm feeling her out. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. Get it, girl. And that's, (laughs) I think, also because when we talk about it, especially in neo-paganism, Hecate embraces the ideas of so many that's why when we were talking about the, and I'm sure we'll get into it later, the triple moon goddess and the many facets mm-hmm. of it, there are a lot of neo-pagans who believe that Hecate is just a way to personify the divine. So it's whatever you call it, right. it's the same thing. Right. Which is kind of how I form my practice, so that makes sense. But there are so many different disputes over the origins of Hecate. Mm-hmm. And her worship in ancient Greece. Some people believe that she came. The, the actual worship of the goddess was from South Southeast Asia Minor. Th- that's where the what? the first statues of Hecate were actually found that predated even her Greek origins. How did they know it was Hecate? Was it the three-headed goddess? Was I'm, it the dogs, the flaming torches? I'm looking here. Let's see. So this says, and this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. And they say Hecate, the goddess, was accepted at an early date into Greek religion, but probably derived from the Carians of Southeast Asia Minor. Hmm. Okay. If you say so, Encyclopedia Britannica. Right. Britannica, you so smart. I think it was just that, like I said, they found statues depicting what they assumed was Hecate or maybe scripture or, I guess, writings about Hecate, the goddess, in Asia mm-hmm. before they even found or predating her statues and temples in Greece. That's fair. So as a follower of Hecate or a self-proclaimed follower of Hecate, what 
is your take on her origin story? What is the story that you give the most credence to? So because I view Hecate as, again, a facet of the divine and and just the personification of that, and I felt called to her more through her Greek personification, I would say, because, like, for instance, as a follower of Hecate, my familiar has always been a black dog. I've had several familiars who have passed on, but always, always, always a big black dog. And through reading and research, which is how I recommend anybody find a patron that they might connect with, and it is kind of a a personal growth, a personal relationship that just develops through getting to so know. So like the goddess presented herself to you, and the more you looked for it, the more you saw her? Maybe? I would say that when I was searching, that was what stood out to me. Was Hecate. okay. I never had. I know some some folks who say that they, when they found their patron god or goddess, they started dreaming about them, or their patron god or goddess somehow presented themselves to them in a, almost a corporeal form. That mm-hmm. is not something that happened with me. Instead, every time I went to research or read about different gods or goddesses, I was drawn back to Hecate and reading about her specifically. That's fair. I guess in this case, what I mean is there's multiple origin stories for Hecate herself. So in some legends, she's the daughter of the Titans, Perseus, and Asteria. In other Greek legends, she's considered the daughter of Zeus and Demeter. I've, I've heard, heard that, that one. I've also... Mm-hmm. And she's more a on-the-fringe goddess, but she was one of Zeus's favorite children for siding with the Olympians over the Titans. And that's why she's p- depicted with the two torches, mm-hmm. is she beat back the titans with two flaming torches yep and that's the origin story that i know of is that she was a daughter of the two titans and that she was considered beloved by zeus and for picking that side of the olympians over the titans he gave her a piece of the earth land and sea which gave her dominion over the entire over all the planes and realms yeah so i definitely resonated more with the story that she, again, is the daughter of the Titans, Perseus, and the nymph, Asteria, and that as a, that would essentially make her a Titan. She was the only Titan allowed to remain after Zeus defeated the Titans. The only Titan allowed to remain and continue to have any dominion over anything because of her magic skill. She was allowed mm-hmm. to preside over magic and spells. And then when she witnessed the abduction of Demeter's daughter, Persephone, and her capture into the underworld, she led Demeter, and that's in the story at the beginning, is the uh, Mm -hmm. rescue of Persephone from the underworld. And then she stays with Persephone in the underworld when she is there with Hades. Yeah. The only two witnesses to what they would call the rape of Persephone is Helios and Hecate, so Mm -hmm. night and day. So that was kind of the origin stories of Hecate that resonated with me. I think the origin stories of any god or goddess kind of get lost in myth and magic. So, you know, it's a story passed on. It's kind of fantastical and kind of, you know, it it was created for entertainment. And maybe not even necessarily written by the followers of those gods or goddesses, but instead written strictly for entertainment. So I think that that can kind of... and Yeah, the, I know there's references in the Odyssey and the Iliad to mm-hmm. Circe and Hecate. But if you actually look at the origins and the myths of Hecate, in some myths and legends, Hecate is the mother of Medea and Circe. Mm-hmm. And thusly the mother, known popularly as witches in Greek literature. 
the mother of witchcraft, even though she's not matronly at all. She's a very, like, vengeful goddess. She's not motherly or holdy, handy, typey from what I've read. She is not your cuddly bear. No, and it's the idea that she can give a, give and take away in equal measure. Which I like. That reminds me of scales and balance, which mm-hmm. resonates with Wicca in general or witchcraft in general for me. In other legends, I've heard that, that she had no children and that Circe and Medea were her handmaidens. And I've heard that as well. There's also another child. They bring up another child, and I'm looking for my source on that one right now. Um, Aegeleus. Yes, there we go. And I knew I couldn't ever remember his name. Aegeleus. Aegeleus. I'm terrible at pronouncing Greek names of any kind. The A-I-G-I-A-L-E-U-S. Uh-huh. Aegeleus. Yeah. And he appears in the Odyssey too, I believe. Like they refer to him in the Odyssey. I don't think he's an actual character in the Odyssey, but I'm pretty sure they reference him in there. And I like that it was almost like anything magical, anything that they was just attributed to Hecate. If we look at Hecate and we look at all of the things she has dominion over and all of the things that are associated with her, those are also things even even in modern day that are associated with witches and witchcraft. So, oh yeah, like everything is associated with she's goddess of magic, witchcraft, night, light, ghosts, yeah, things, snakes, dogs, keys, bats. snakes. <laughs> dog some of them don't even make sense she's she like uh, one of her animals that you can associate with her are frogs the polecat so weasel Uh uh-huh but frogs don't even make sense there's the only reference to frogs that they can tie to hecate or any of her legends or stories is the egyptian goddess hecate who used frogs as messengers to the underworld Mm -hmm. and because hecate was goddess of the was considered one of the she wasn't goddess of the underworld but she was like entranceways doorways she had she had power and presence in the underworld. She had dominion in the underworld. They tied her to the goddess Hecate in Egyptian legends. And that's the only reason Hecate is represented by frogs that they can find. And there, it was that she was the only one able to go back and forth as she pleased from the underworld besides Hades. Mm-hmm. So without yep. invitation, without... Hades is like, that's cool, dude. Do you? I'm not fucking with this. Yeah, he's like, goddess, God, mother of witches? Fuck that. I'm not trying yeah. to... Well, and Hecate is super strongly tied with Demeter and Artemis, mm-hmm. too. So I'm pretty sure at that point in time, Demeter's pretty fucking pissed, and he's not going to be stepping on any toes anytime soon. No, ma'am. She was furious. I do think it's funny that it, there's, you know, yeah, she is no, most notably the goddess of magic, witchcraft, the light, night, ghosts, necromancy, and the moon. And the moon. And the protector of entranceways. And the keeper of the keys. Yep. And the goddess the keeper of the keys. Mm-hmm. And the crossroads, I love the imagery for the crossroads just because it is, every time you hear anything with Hecate, it's always three, three part, threefold, which is very Wiccan as well. Mm-hmm. That threefold path, the threefold way, the law of three. I just like threes. So right now I'm actually reading a book on Hecate and magic called, I referenced it in the very beginning, Entering Hecate's Garden by Cynthia Brannon. And in there, they refer to the land wasn't just the land. It pushes down the magic that you take from the land in Hecatean magic transcends deeper than that. And it's supposed to go to everything beneath the land. It's supposed to essentially be the underworld. So I know in some Hecatean magic practices, they use the land as almost an in-between to represent the underworld. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because with the crossroad and the earth, land and or earth air and sea, is where we kind of get this idea of Hecate as the triple goddess. 
we had talked about earlier off off screen, off microphone, about whether or not she was a triple goddess associated with the triple moon, because she is occasionally portrayed as three three people standing back to back. And I and we were I think what actually brought it up initially is we were going over our outline and there was a note in here referring to the mother maiden and crone archetype and how it applies to Hecate. And in the research that I did, there's actually no connection to that archetype. It's just another threefold thing that kind of gets rolled into Hecate because they're like three, three, Hecate, triple goddess. There's three women, right? But that's actually not where that originated in as far as Wiccan practices. And there are so many where it talks about either her and two other goddesses. I found sources where she refers to herself as three, her younger self being a maiden. She is also known as the crone goddess which is, and the waning moon. And as the goddess of the moon, she could be, that's where that interpretation could come in, that she's mm-hmm. somehow the triple moon, the three goddesses. Um, and in modern neo-paganism is where we kind of find that that crossover where people say maybe she is a representation of because they are not it, it's almost like they're not and they are the same thing we recognize the mother maiden crone archetype and the triple moon as almost like a fluid being and right. maybe hecate is a representation of that whereas in in myth and lore she was never that As someone who practices a lot of lunar magic and does a lot of my magic based off of moon cycles, I like Hecate's trifold magical approach where you have banishment, blessing, and protection. There's a lot of different ways you can roll Hecate's three-faced form into any sort of magic, really. So if Hecate is your mother maiden crone, as someone who doesn't actually believe that Hecate is going to come and smite me, fuck yeah, get it, girl. And I think that that's what what it is with neo-paganism is it's we kind of have these basic ideas and then whatever you find that fits is yours. And a lot of people worship it that way. And I think it's interesting. They talk about her as representation, as a representation of the waning moon, the most powerful lunar phase in terms Mm -hmm. of her magic. And that's why they would call her the crone goddess, because when it comes to lunar magic, and then the power of the, the mother of witches, the goddess Hecate, it just, it's like a title that just gets slapped on there. As the moon progresses, you get a lot of, like, for example, during the new moon, that's a good time to set manifestations, goals, and intentions because the moon is getting more full. As the moon wanes, you do a lot more of your banishment, your cleaning, your cleansing. And with Hecate and a lot of the Hecatean magic books that I've read or practiced, a lot of her magic for banishment protection follows those moon cycles and follows that threefold. And I think it's just interesting that even in the sources that I found, they just call her the original and most prominent example of the mother right. maiden moon archetype or mother maiden crone archetype. Not that she is where that came from, just that she's the, the most prominent example of that. In a universal, cross-cultural way. Well, it's funny that she is so universal and cross-cultural because she was always sort of a fringe goddess. She was always on the outside. She fought for the Olympians, but really she was a titan. She lived at night. She wasn't an Olympian. She was not an Olympian, no. Exactly. Uh, She lived in nightfall. She had a part in the earth, sky, and land. She could pass between the underworld and the mortal realm. And to the divine realm of the Olympians. 
She was always polymorphous. She was ambivalent. She was flexible and nobody knew who the fuck she was. She could be anything, anyone, anytime with many faces. And three was, I think, kind of limiting her. I think there was a little bit more than three faces going on. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. She was she was fluid in all things. And I think that that's where the power comes from because she was the sort of outside fringe goddess. Because when we look at mythology, they always focus on the Olympians. But it was it was almost like the Olympians' goal to win favor of Hecate. Like, oh, we have to go on this journey. Maybe Hecate will favor us and give us passage through her crossroads as the keeper of keys, as the... Most definitely. Which kind of makes her a really interesting goddess to use in any practice. I imagine that you could apply Hecatean values to a lot of things. Almost anything, really, because it, like Hecate, is very polymorphous. And that's where I think I found my connection with her, because I do worship other gods and goddesses. I do have other gods and goddesses in what we would consider my pantheon when calling divine energy. I, I cycle that through Hecate, specifically. That's dope. More often than others. It's not like I never am like, hey, you know, I need help with my child. I call to Demeter. If I need help in my home, I'll call to Hestia. So uh, your patron goddesses for se- and I have a ton of goddesses that I like to use in my practice. I use gods and goddesses as a to anthropomorphize tales and ideas. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a personification of of uh, energy. It's like writing a sequel to something. You have to have the base levels and the foundations to build a stronger story or maybe a longer story, depending on what book series you're reading, because sometimes sequels suck. But you use that humanization of an idealism to buffer or strengthen your magic. It gives you more focus. It gives you more channel to say, sure, I don't believe that Artemis is out there in my backyard riding through with her carrying the moon on her back or what the fuck ever. But I do use ideas like the virgin goddess or her anger or her justifiable rage for some things. I use her protective stance over the forest when I'm trying to call things. I see a lot of deer all the time. I live in Colorado, but I mean, that started when I was way young. I always kind of identified with Artemis. And then as I got older and I had a child and I shifted more towards the mother phase of my life, Demeter called more to me in my practice. Do I believe in Demeter? No, but I like to use her because her stories give the magic or the ideas that I'm trying to manifest in my spellcasting or in my magic or in my practice more strength because it gives a foundation for me to build on top of. It's almost like a form. And I think that in my practice, I I recognize the divine as just an all-encompassing energy. Um, It is also easy for me because I believe that the divine is universal, um, multifaceted. I believe that if you worship Demeter and I worship Hecate, it's the same thing. It's all just the many faces, the many facets of the divine. My partner worships God in a very Christian sense. And I believe it's the same thing. It's if you worship Allah or you're a Buddhist or wherever you're drawing from, however you're interacting with that divine, whatever facet or face you see, it's all the same thing to me. So Hecate is kind of the perfect goddess. It's very fluid. It's very polymorphous as you are. Exactly. That's perfect. I like that. So let's get into some symbols of Hecate. Like we, so for Hecate's night, do you want to explain it since it's yours or do you want me to explain it? 
I want you to go ahead and then I will add anything that I do that may be different because I feel like that's more okay, fun. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Because I just read mine. I've never celebrated it before, but I think it sounds dope. I might do it this year just to see just yeah, to see who time. comes out and eats my plates, if you will. I have a terrible British accent, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, so Hecate's night in the research that I found, you set a plate for Hecate full of her favorite foods and you leave it at a crossroads. And she will send a messenger to either accept your offering or not accept your offering. And there are specific foods that she is prone to, like honey cakes, fish row. I'm trying to think of other ones that I know of. Honey cakes, fish row. She likes dog meat, apparently, which was a weird one that we won't get into for anybody triggered by that. They actually used to sacrifice dogs to Hecate. They used to sacrifice puppies to Hecate. Yep. I like puppies. But yeah, um, current cakes, that's another one. Wine. cakes. uh, Eggs. Eggs. Mm -hmm. That was one. Fish row, eggs, honey cakes, wine, man, bear, pig. I'm kidding. Just dogs, but it makes me sad. So I'm just going to say man, bear, pig. (laughs) Cinnamon. I know that was a big one. Basically anything in this time that was considered indulgent. Yeah. So any sort of sweet treat. But I heard too, this was a good recommendation I heard. Use a biodegradable plate so that you don't lose your fine china because you won't be getting your offering back. And you leave it at the crossroads and you don't look back. And she will send a messenger in some shape or form to accept and devour your offering. If she accepts your offering, that is. And so I celebrate in a a much similar way. I've gotten some weird ass looks. Me and my little compostable. She's just leaving a plate in the middle of I-25. Like, excuse me, I don't have time for this. I have to get off at this exit. So we're just going to leave this bitch right here. I just throw it out the car window while I'm driving down the interstate. We got to stop eating in these episodes. Babies, offerings, all the eats. All the eating. Just yeet it all to Hecate. Um. You can tell someone younger finally explained what this word means to me. Right. And now I feel like it's ending. I say yeet all the time still, and everybody's like, okay. It's like when YOLO happened, and I was like, what a terrible idea. And then I still do it. YOLO. I don't like Honey Wisp. I feel like Mm -hmm. I have to do everything unironically after it's cool. Like, when it's cool, I have no idea what it means. I don't say it. The only thing I lack of irony that we mean it. Bay. That's a good one. I never do bay. I was never a bay. I never called anybody bay. But... Neither did I, but just because it it sounds like just, even baby's weird to me. I'm like, mm. bay sounds like a, a sound an animal makes. Bay, exactly. I think of sheep every time. Bay, bay, bay. hey bay, hey bay. That's good. <laughs> that sounds like a weird animal though. Hey bay, that sounds like its own noise by itself. That's not even a real sheep. That's just now it's like a mutant sheep coming to kill us all. Oh, hey God. bay. But yes, I do take my little plate and I bring it out and I put it across roads. I don't look back. That's another part. And then I also built my altar. Actually, Lou gifted me a beautiful statue of Hecate for my birthday this past birthday, which sits on my like set dead center in my altar. I have three small glasses around it. That's where I leave my like daily offerings, usually in the form of wine and honey. You're so good. I have a giant baphomet on my altar, and every once in a while I'm like, yo, bro, I'm sorry it's been a minute. I'm just going to light this candle and call it a day. Love you. Bye. Bye. Your baphomet is really cute, though. Except the cat broke a horn off of it. No. Now I have to sculpt a new one. I am crushed. It's the most beautiful Baphomet. In in my yeah. move from the into the new house, my Hecate's little arm with her little staff got broken. 
And I like found the arm and was like weeping over it. And Hot glue, baby. Yeah, my mom just came with some super glue and glued it back together and looked at me like I was stupid. Like, really? God bless your mother. She's like, I like okay, I know you're a crafty bitch. You literally have a whole network called Housecraft, but you're just gonna you're just gonna cry over something you can glue together. Cool story, bro. It was an emotional moment for me, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I did tease you about it. It was funny. I mean, obviously it's a very deep rooted pain. I feel you. Yes, it was it was deep. No, it's and she's better now. But so I have that on my altar at all times. And on Hecate's night, I tend to I, I tend to spend a lot of my time drawing energy from her whenever I need to cast particularly if I'm casting something a little bit more malevolent, I tend to call to Hecate. So on Hecate's night, I focus my energy on giving back. I'm putting back into the divine as opposed to pulling from it. So I do a lot of meditation. I tend to, my son and I make little things and leave them outside for animals. We have tons of ravens, which are another symbol of Hecate around our house. Nice. So we roll pine cones and peanut butter and birdseed and we leave them outside for the ravens. So that they have a little bit of extra protein. We sometimes we go on a like a walk if it's not fucking freezing, which it usually is. But I try to spend a little bit of time outside with my shoes off and recognize the earth. With your shoes off, you're fucking bonkers I in know. the middle of November. And I'm the one who was always barefoot, but Jesus. I, I no. lost a toe to Hecate, but it was worth it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I have all my toes. A hecato? My hecato. Heck a no. My, heck a no. Oh no, oh no my hecato. <laughs> heck no it sounds like a dr seuss book we're writing a dr seuss book about hecate taking our toes in frostbite <laughs> just it's all about putting my energy back out there and i usually end up spell drunk the next day i know we had talked about that previously how was it after beltane when your daughter mm-hmm. had her little spell hangover She's like, I'm just so tired. Yep. And it just zaps you. But then I do believe that all of that energy, it, because Hecate is a, thre- is a threefold goddess, all of that energy is then multiplied by three and kind of stored in a place where it can be pulled from again. So it's just kind of a way to like, it's almost like like a savings account for energy. I just kind of store a little bit away and make sure that <laughs> That's I'm, cool. I, I, I yeah. eat a lot that day and I prepare myself for it and I put it in my little Hecate savings bank. Nice. So what other things would you recommend using on an altar for somebody who's creating an altar altar for Hecate's night? Um, definitely like above my altar, I have a big picture of the moon. I have and I think I have the picture that you made, the one that you drew over there, the one with the crystals in it. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of moon based items. My altar cloth has moons on it. If Hecate is your patron goddess, statues are nice not necessary but they are nice because it gives you kind of a a focus like you were talking almost about personifying all of these energies it gives you something to really focus that energy on and almost like when we were talking about ouija boards how it's a it's a tool that i use to pull energy and that almost gives you like a doorway to pull that energy through i always do raisins and currants I usually I make these often in the wintertime just because they they're warm and they smell good, but I make like a hot pot on the stove with cinnamon, nice. currants and oranges and it just smells really good. What about particular colors or crystals? I know the colors are what we would essentially usually associate with Halloween. So black, orange, yellowy orange, reddy orange, those are t- kind of Hecate's colors. And then gemstones, sapphires, silver, 
I know there's more. Moonstone. Black Onyx. I have a Smoky Quartz. Yeah. Me too. We got it from that Goblin Cave Crystals guy. Yes, we did. He was great. And I have tons of them. And I just kind of, when I have to do something serious, my bra always clanks because my bra is just like full (laughs) of stones. And then my boobs are just like, as I walk. So I was never, I was never one to carry stones in my bra until I went to the Ren Fair with my daughter this year. And she bought me a little tiger's eye worry stone. And my first thought when I saw it, because it was flat and kind of round was, oh, that'll fit right on my boob. (laughs) And now I use it all the day, like all the damn time. But I'm not about shoving sharp points in there. I'm like, gotta protect the girls. You know what I'm saying? Mine are pokey and crunchy. Someone hugs me and it's like, (laughs) and it stabs me right in the tit. That's, Can't you, you just put it in your pocket? I want to feel it against my skin. Oh. The only other place is up my vacuuter. I was going to say that next, and then I was like, don't recommend that. She might do no, it. Don't do it. Don't actually they do make, that. They make, wa- they make those weird points. And just do not, put it, do not put it in your prison pocket. Do not do it. <laughs> okay. So all of that is awesome things to use for Hecate's night. Are you planning on celebrating this year? I will be. Yes. My son has been showing a lot of interest. He calls the new puppy his familiar, which I think is adorbs, my little witchling. Mm. He also mm. calls her Poochie Poochie Poochieroo, which is just unrelated but adorable. Um, it is unrelated but still precious. And he lays on top of her constantly and she <laughs> ignores him most of the time. This is another thing I do on Hecate's Night and I completely forgot. My familiar is, her name is Phoebe. She is a medium-sized black pit bull. But I do a ceremony where I tie myself with her. It's the familiarizing ceremony, I guess you could say. And I basically give her a lot of treats and cuddle up to her and thank her for always, you know, kind of being there with me and and supporting me in my craft. And so that's something that I do on Hecate's night as well, because she is a big black dog and Hecate is associated with big black dogs. Huh. I wonder if that's why I've always had a big black dog. So old now, so maybe I'll have to do a little familiarizing with the kittens. Those little assholes. Well, I did mine with, it started with Willow, my Newfoundland, who was just this huge poof of black fur. I got him when I was like 13. I think that was where my path to Hecate kind of started. You know, this was back when we all had like AOL Instant Messenger, our aim. And like one day when I was aiming my friends, I was like, you know, they were talking about familiars and I was like, I don't have a familiar. So I like Googled, which is familiars black dogs? And it came up with Hecate and that's where it kind of like launched my search was like i want my i want willow to be my familiar how fun that's cute my daughter is currently experimenting a little bit more with witchcraft in general and goddesses and she is hooked on artemis and athena mm-hmm. which i'm obviously 155 percent like fuck yeah at least it's that one you're like not venus right. but <laughs> <laughs> i mean not that venus is bad or aphrodite or whatever you want to call her But I'm glad that that's the direction she went, just because I feel like for her age, it's appropriate. But she actually pulled them from the Percy Jackson books, and now she's really into Greek mythology. And I think it's a really good launching point for her to kind of learn about it. But she's never once heard of Hecate. Really? I don't think so. And Yeah, because I read the Percy Jackson books a few months back. I read them all Mm -hmm. in like a week because she kept talking about them and I didnn't remember them. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to read them all. You're better than me because I was like, nope, I'm not fucking doing it, kid. I don't got time. I think they mention Hecate in passing. I think it's like, and in a negative light, they really, in the Percy Jackson books, speak very negatively of like Hades and mm. anything that could be considered dark. 
So I think it was like, you know. Well, I mean, you got to have a bad guy or a scary place. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's for kids. So it made sense. But I think it was more like they were like, oh, yeah, then the, you know, the minor goddesses, Hecate, and I I don't even remember which other one they may have mentioned. I always think it's fun she's minor because she's like queen bitch over all the shit. Yeah. It's funny because it, and we all know that Zeus is problematic, but the Percy Jackson novels kind of focus mainly on the Olympians and kind of shine a really good light on Zeus. And of course, ignore the whole like turning a woman into a swan so he could fuck her as a shower of <laughs> oh golden rain or God. whatever. I think basically Zeus was fucking everybody. And after a while, they were like, hey, Zeus, you're my dad. And he was like, sure. So much so that we don't even know who everyone's parents are in real time. Like, the mom's like, fuck if I know. Anything could have happened. They're like, um, I didn't actually sleep with Zeus, but I did one time stand under a shower of golden rain. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that and was And then Zeus. I woke up pregnant. Up, oh, Zeus, you bastard. You got me again. When they talk about Hecate as the, the you know, it being involved in the triple goddess archetype, they also talk about Hecate, Demeter, and Persephone. Hecate, mm-hmm. Artemis, and... It's just uh, a girls' party up in there. Yeah, they're like... Hecate, Artemis, and Demeter, I know I heard. Hecate, Artemis, and Persephone, I know I've heard. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, you know, anytime three bitches stood together, they were like, oh, is that the trip? I just keep thinking. Hecate's like Regina George of the, the Olympian triads. You can't sit with us. Get Demeter. I'm done with you. <laughs> we are not a triple goddess anymore. Olives aren't happening. Drop it, Artemis. <laughs> Olive. <laughs> Did you just try to make olives happen? Because olives are not going to happen. Because it's clearly feta stuffed these days. Naturally. Naturally. Um, but yeah, Hecate, Persephone, and Demeter form one version of the triple goddess. Mm-hmm. Trimorphous, which is like three. She can transform into three different things. Um, there it is. The triple goddess is also so associated with Hecate, Selene, and Artemis or Diana. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Hecate is also one of the goddesses that crosses pantheons pretty easily. Mm-hmm. She's not per se just represented in Greek mythology, and she still is represented as Hecate in other pantheons. And it's, yeah, kind of just across the board. And that's why when they were talking about how all of these scholars are kind of arguing over her origins... That's mm-hmm. where that comes from, is that, you know, you can kind of find ties to Hecate just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. And she's always still Hecate, but it's always a different pantheon or a different place. But mm-hmm. it's Hecate, 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 all the different pronunciations of Hecate, but it's just many versions of the same goddess. Which is really interesting. And so then we can get into why choose a patron god or goddess. Why yeah. would you even do that? So, uh, and we talked about why you picked one in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was more just an interest. I think she's remained my patron goddess just because I've always felt really closely associated with her. It always felt seamless to call to her. It it made sense for me. And really, that's just the only reason that I've got. Okay. Accusations that Hecate is baneful and vengeful. Your thoughts as well uh, for worshiping a baneful or vengeful goddess. Ooh, Okay. Because she is also known for curses and hexes. Yes. And, and I think that in life there is balance. I think there has to be. And I think we went over it in our rule of three episode. 
that I don't necessarily believe that my that magic has to be either light or dark. I think of it as kind of fluid. Just as I am fluid, I am occasionally baneful. I am occasionally vengeful. I'm, I'm usually vengeful. Yeah, I'm I am not um, I'm usually vengeful. All love it's my and light everyday all state. The time. Nor do I want to be. And I think that's where that comes in is I don't have a desire to only be one thing or the other. I accept myself as multifaceted, just as I accept that the gods are multifaceted. I think curses and hexes get a bad rap, particularly in regards to Hecate. And I think that a lot of times people who who cast hexes and curses are seen as all one thing or another. Whereas we as humans can be, life is a spectrum, just like anything else. Like great Jedis. Yes. Nobody has to be just one thing or another. And I think we kind of create this dichotomy where in order to be good, you can't have any bad. And that's just not reasonable. Yeah. So if Hecate is baneful, great. So am I sometimes. Does she give and take away? Absolutely. Have there been times when I've called to Hecate and not gotten the results that I wanted? Absolutely. For whatever reason, maybe I wasn't putting as much energy back in as I was taking out. Maybe it wasn't the universe's will. But I do recognize that I I almost wanted a god or goddess for my patron that was human. Not human, but, you know, capable of humanity. That isn't this perfect image of somebody who only ever does right. Well, and see, that's kind of where I like Demeter, too. She found out about you know, the abduction of Persephone 10 days later was like, are you fucking kidding me? Cool. Get your torches, Hecate. We're lighting this bitch down. It's like, we're going to the underworld and we're going to fuck And that's what I would do. She's like, you know what? We're going downtown and we're going to fuck some shit up. We're taking this to their turf. We're rolling in too deep. (laughs) Well, I know Hecate offered, but she lit. I I don't even know how it exactly went down, but I know that she lit the way for Demeter through hate through the underworld. And it's that she is a goddess of illumination, a keeper of keys, illumination. Like she is very multifaceted. That's dope. I I enjoy that. I think it's true of a lot of my practice. People will be like, oh, well, that's bad. And I'm like, I do that. People are like, hey, <laughs> don't hex people. I'm like, I hex people. Yeah, my mom, I call her and I'm like, MJ's going to hex. And she's like, Lauren, you get out of there right now. You don't mess <laughs> with hexes. And then I'm like, I'm not going to. I'm just going to watch her do it for me. Bye. Bye. Which then we got to go back on intentions and everything like that. That's not how that works. But I'm just throwing it out there. It was a funny day. I think it's funny because it's like, um, I almost see a hex as like, would I get into an argument with that person? Sure. It's just taking it to a different level. Would I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not a doormat. I'm not going to stand by and let somebody just walk all over me. I wouldn't do it in person. I don't do it in my practice. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't really because I don't really. So I find with practices, having balance is important, which Hecate is about. But when things don't work, I ask myself if my balance is wrong. And that's a lot of self-introspection that I just don't really have the time for all the time. Sometimes I'm into it, sometimes not so much. Because if something doesn't work, you're probably out of balance. Self-reflection is key for practice if you're going to have any sort of practice based in balance or curses or taking and giving. And I would say that shadow work is a big kind of part of being a follower of Hecate is this kind of deep delving mm-hmm. into yourself. And shadow work is not fun. It's I recommend not easy. it. But it's not it's not a good time. 
It's a lot of introspection. It's a lot of asking yourself about the things that you do and how they harm others. It is, it gets mean to yourself and then kind of dirty. It's not a good time. But I think it's necessary if you plan to work with Hecate because she will pull you through that valley. And like you said, yep. she is she's a little baneful. She is not nicey nice. So she's like, oh, you didn't want to think about the time that you did this? Well, too fucking bad. Here it is. Guess what? Now you're going to have nightmares about it for a week until you come to terms. Yep. And if you don't face it, here are the consequences. Bye. Which I like. Yeah. I like a goddess fair. who don't take no shit. True that. I'm into it. There is something she don't take. And that is shit. I've heard Hecate's name a ton of times in witchcraft and movies and everything, and I never knew the slightest thing about her until this episode. I mean, I knew a lot of Greek mythology, but not really Hecate. She was always kind of like that fringe goddess that I never really deep dove into. So this was cool. Well, and that's what that's what our podcast is about. It's about us. Like, I learned so much about the origins of the occult in uh, Victorian England last episode. I had never done a deep dive. So it's about us growing. Yep. Again, introspection, learning Sometimes new it's just the more you know. The more you know. The more you know. Yes. Yeah. Well, and on that note, thanks for joining us again on another super rad episode of Housecraft the Witching Hour. And we're excited. We're so glad you guys came back. We're so glad that we can bring our new research and our new energy to our community and we can all grow together. We love your feedback. We love hearing from you. So make sure you're following us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash housecraft home for wayward witches and on TikTok and Instagram at housecraft official. Also, be sure to check us out on Patreon. We are always doing kind of new stuff on there. So go to patreon.com backslash housecraft official for all sorts of cool live rituals and behind the scenes access. We also just created a newsletter that has all sorts of fun tidbits from terrible tarot predictions with Madam Addie to horoscopes done by yours truly. It's an excellent hands-on resource for anyone looking to expand their practice. We would be absolutely nothing without everyone's amazing support, and it just means the world to us. Our newsletter is 100% free, and if you feel like supporting our podcast, our Patreon is definitely the way to do that. Yeah, we love our Patreon members. You guys have done so much for us, and it helps us go so far. And the newsletter had so much great feedback. I loved reading everyone's comments. We're so glad you guys liked it. We were really excited by how many people signed up, so... Definitely make sure you keep an eye out for that. That's going to be linked up on all of our pages as well. And it's a super cool resource for the Wayward Witch just looking for more information, more ways to get involved. So also make sure you check out our Linktree, linktree.com backslash housecraftofficial. It's a good reference for all of our new podcasts and events. Everything in this episode was researched, read, and recorded by Housecraft and the Mothers of Mayhem. All rights reserved. Stay weird, Wayward Ones. And mind your cauldron, as always. Boom.